This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Really excited to have special guests back on the show, Mr. Matt Williamson. Matt, welcome back here to the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast. Yeah, it's always a good time. We should do it more often. I appreciate the invite. Let's dig in, man. Lots to discuss since we talked last, obviously. Yeah, obviously, really interesting rookie class. Whether we, you know, whether mm-hmm. you look at it from a dynasty perspective, a redraft perspective, a blended perspective. So let's start right at the quarterback because last okay. year when I had you come on, you know, we we talked a little bit about Kenny Pickett. Obviously, you had some insight Pittsburgh stuff, but this year, obviously, a more intriguing group of quarterbacks that that you know that were drafted this year. So let's start right at the Anthony Richardson discussion. When you when you look at a guy like Anthony Richardson. Are you are you buying the hype slash upside? Do you think he warrants for people who still have summer rookie drafts or even just thinking big term dynasty picture? Are you you know, we, we went through this right where everybody was all in on Trey Lance and then, you know, that that kind of flopped. Justin Fields is kind of hitting his stride and, and maybe even another level up there. Where do you kind of look at Anthony Richardson for what do you what do you think his ceiling is? Do you think it's going to take some time to get there? How do you kind of view the Anthony Richardson discussion? Yeah, I'm in. And I understand that he's very expensive and I don't really hesitate to pay that price, whether it's redraft, best ball, dynasty, rookie drafts, whatever. And of course he could miss. I mean, there's no question about it. But you mentioned Fields. And I think right off the bat, Richardson's going to be, and from an NFL perspective, as hard to play against as Fields was when they were running him heavily. And frankly, has a lot more around him in Indianapolis than Fields did either of his first two years. Now, Fields at Ohio State was a better passer than Richardson. There's no question about that. I also think Richardson's a little bit better passer than often given credit for. I mean, I I remember this with Lamar. I, I watched all of Lamar's throws after his rookie year. And when he would miss... Sometimes he just missed so bad that people thought, wow, how how does that happen? And there's some of those moments with Richardson. It's like, wow, he missed that guy by 10 yards. But the incompletion's an incompletion. I mean, what's the difference if he misses him by a yard or 10 yards? And I do think he's a better deep passer and overall prospect as a thrower than people give him credit for. And I'd love his landing spot. I mean, they have a good line. They're going to have a really, really good running game. I think their weapons are more than adequate. To, you know, to, for him, I always call it a nest. You know, did a young quarterback land in a nice, soft nest? And with that coaching staff and all the things I mentioned, pretty decent defense, I think that's a really good spot for him to thrive. Yeah, and I think that this, the interesting discussion that I've been talking a lot here, you know, at S2S is – I don't really remember a year. Now, a lot of people had their rookie dress, but some people still have them. I know I got a a couple still lingering in in the summer. Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting point because we usually see this wide discrepancy between a super flex rookie draft and a regular rookie draft, you know, one quarterback, where, where, where the top quarterback comes off the board. Personally, I've been saying I don't think there's this big difference with Anthony Richardson because he's such a unique prospect. Where do you kind of feel on that in a super flex? Is it B. John over Richardson or Richardson over B. John? And then if you talk about it, is it being one quarterback, how many other guys would you be willing to pull the trigger hmm. on before you would get to Anthony Richardson? Well, I don't love this class as a whole. So uh, a quarterback prospect like Richardson in single quarterback is probably getting inflated a little bit more than he would 
last year against Alave and Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams and London and all those type of dudes. So I don't love this receiver class. Super flex. I'm still with Bijan. I think he's that special, but Richardson is the only other one in that tier. If that helps, you know, I mean, I, yep. I think it's a question of who's number three, not who the top two are. I'm sitting there and I just pulled up a list so I don't miss any. I mean, in terms of rookie draft, as we stand at the end of June, one quarterback league, definitely Bijan, definitely Smith and Jigba, definitely Gibbs. I like Johnston more than Addison. Um, I probably would still take both over them. Flowers, Kincaid, that's about it. But those last two or three, if you're real quarterback needy, I would understand. And especially if you already have a tight end. And, you know, I mean, there's it, it, generally speaking, I think a, if Richardson came out last year, I think he's like the 10th pick in my rookie draft or the 12th pick in my rookie draft. This year, I think he's fifth or sixth. Yeah, and I think you could really make the case that it varies based on league size, right? 10-team, mm-hmm. uh, 12-team. I know I'm in 16-team leagues, and I think that pushes the value of quarterbacks up, even in a one-quarterback yeah. setting, that I could see somebody saying – two, three, four in an extreme yeah. situation if you don't have a quarterback and and maybe you have those other positions. So it's a really it's a really interesting discussion there with Anthony Richardson. Let's turn this to the other two main quarterbacks, which is Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Did you have a clear preference between those two on film? And now where they've landed, do you see a big discrepancy between their fantasy value? Do you, do you think there's a lot of fantasy difference between them? Do you think their upside is similar long-term? How do you kind of view the, the Stroud versus Bryce Young discussion? Yeah, I think they're very similar in all the above. You know, as NFL prospects coming out, I thought they were very similar. As dynasty assets, as fantasy assets, as rookie year, as, you know, for redraft, I think they're if I were to do ranks, they would be very close to one another. I don't think either one's going to run very much. And to me, that is really puts a ceiling on things. And I think both their situations aren't conducive to early season or, you know, early career success. You know, like I'm big on EPA and DVOA and things like that. Like I think the Panthers and Texans are going to clearly be bottom eight in EPA per play, you know, DVOA. I, I just don't think there's a lot of, production on either offense i give houston credit they've added some things but there's not a lot of star power there there if any i i just think both these quarterbacks are set up to struggle early on yeah and i think it's really i think you made the case their ceiling is capped we we see the top quarterbacks most of them have this this running component you know unless they're going to throw for 45 touchdowns they need right. that running component to really reach that ceiling so i almost look at these guys and i know it's a little bit of a different era but like their ceiling could be capped out as like statistically passing wise maybe a good Eli Manning year, a good Philip Rivers year, a good Matt Ryan yeah. year, right? Like not maybe the MVP Matt Ryan year, but the other years where he might be quarterback eight, quarterback nine. Like I kind of don't see a scenario where they are consistently in that like top six to eight, even if they hit their ceiling, they're probably right. more low QB ones and most likely probably low QB ones to somewhere like mid QB two. So it, it, it's interesting to kind of see them side by side. I think you're right. I don't think either of them are set up to, to quickly have a lot of success. I think they both have to work on the supporting cast offensive line in Houston's a lot stronger than, yeah, yeah. you know, than, than some rookie quarterbacks step into, but, but I think there's a lot that, that they still have to kind of fix around them until we see their best. Let's switch this over to some running back talk. Well, we, one thing have, I have to throw yeah. out there too, though, I mean, I'm, I'm old school. I know I'm going to sound old and curmudgeon and set in my ways, <laughs> 
but Bryce Young's size bothers me to no end. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, all these guys that are a little on the small side, Tua, Lamar, Kyler, they're all struggling to finish seasons lately, and he's much smaller than all of them. It might not affect his rookie year at all, but two years from now, he might be like, why isn't this guy ever on the field? Yeah, and, and and that's a very valid point. He played behind an Alabama offensive line. We know Alabama always has an elite offensive line. So, mm-hmm. like, he hasn't had to deal with that. Like, And let's be honest, the guys hitting him in college, while they're good prospects, a lot of the guys in the SEC, it's not the same every single time, no, every no. single hit at the NFL level. Obviously, a very dramatic difference. And like you said, the track record of some of these guys, these size, they, they – it's not ideal in terms of staying healthy. So that's going to be something, you know, really to follow closely there, you know, when it comes to the Bryce young and and maybe that's a little determining factor between trying to pick between Bryce young and CJ Stroud, like obviously CJ Stroud much bigger in terms of height and weight and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. That could be a little bit of a tiebreaker for somebody if they're picking between them. Let's shift this over to running back. We've already talked about B John and how special of a prospect he is. Do you think he could hit the ground running and immediately this year be in contention for the best running back in fantasy football? Is there anybody off the top of your head if you were making like a dynasty overall running back ranks that you would prefer who was currently in the NFL right now over Bijan? Or is he that special of a prospect with age on his side that he would be the guy above all else in dynasty in terms of running backs? And do you think he has a legit chance this year maybe to push to be the RB1 even in redraft? I'm all in. Yeah. I mean, I think he's spectacular. And even when Tyler Algier, who I think will get some touches, is on the field, I think Robinson will be in the slot or catching passes. I don't want to say he's Christian McCaffrey, but I expect a lot of receptions. I kind of already mentioned it in any format rookie draft. He's still my 1-1. Of dynasty running backs, he is number one for me as well. I mean, just flat out redraft, old school I'm taking, I think, McCaffrey and Eckler over him, but that's it. And I'm still considering that because of the age difference. Really good line he's running behind. Um, a run-dedicated team. Uh, I mean, a quarterback that should dump it off to him all the time. And just, as you mentioned, the the most special of talents. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. Like, if he stays healthy, I don't see a scenario where he doesn't get 1,700 total yards. Like a hundred a yeah, week doesn't yeah. seem like if he, if he played all 17, obviously we know that doesn't always happen with sure. running back for sure. But like, I don't see a scenario where 1700 yards is not in the cards. If he plays 17 games and I don't think 18, 19 or 2000 is, is unrealistic. If he plays that, like, that's where I think this is heading. So I'm right there with you. He be my clear RB one and overall dynasty running back ranks. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think I would take McCaffrey ahead of him in redraft, but I'm not sure if, mm-hmm. if you want a play a little safer, I get McCaffrey, but if you're looking for like, I'm looking for that X factor. I'm looking for that difference. Who that guy who could even exceed his first round value. I think it could be B junk. Cause I think next year when we're talking about who's the first pick in redraft, I think we'll still have the, the wide receivers, you know, Justin Jefferson, but I think it'll be, is it Justin Jefferson? Is it B. John Robinson? I think that's where this yeah. is heading. And, and and that's how special. And like you said, great offensive line. You know, obviously we'll see about the quarterback situation, but they got some other skill players that that team's got to account for, for sure, which is going to also help B. John, right? Because, you know, like when the Giants got Saquon, they had Odell, but he, he, he was not. He was dealing with injuries and stuff like that soon after they got Saquon there. And, you know, and they didn't have nearly as good of an O-line as the Falcons do. So I think it's going to be fun to kind of watch him. If we go away from, from Bijan and look at a guy like Jameer Gibbs, 
what do you think Detroit's plan is for him, right? Like, are we thinking like an Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara type role? Are we thinking less carries than that, but more involved in the passing game? You know, obviously they surprised people taking him as early as they did. So you'd like to think, you know, rational thought is that they have a big, big role for him plan. Do you see that in year one and moving forward? Yeah, um, I like the Eckler and Kamara comparisons, but just watching them on tape and height, weight, he's not as bulky. He's not as hard to get on the ground. I mean, Kamara in particular is really hard to knock off his pins in his prime and can handle a lot of inside runs over the course of the game, plus the receiving stuff. Eckler's really, really well built, low to the ground. So I don't think Gibbs is as much every downy as those guys, you know, I still think he's a satellite player, a specialty player, but I love that. They love him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's a really good offense with a great O-line, a phenomenal play caller. And if they love him to take him as early as they did, he's going to see the field a lot. And strictly from a fantasy perspective though, I don't love that Jamal Williams scored what 19 or 17 or a hundred touchdowns last year. Like, I don't think that's going to be Gibbs' rule. I think Montgomery's going to be that goal line guy. And that's eats into a lot of production. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that I think, you know, even if even if Montgomery doesn't get nearly as many as Jamal Williams, right? A lot of things had a line right, up for right, Jamal right. Williams to have that many touchdowns. When they're at the three-yard line, I think we know who the running back on the field is going to be. So you're going right. to you're you're talking about Jameer Gibbs is going to have to find his way to touchdowns from maybe beyond the five, beyond the eight, right, beyond the ten. Big plays, pass catching plays from like you know inside the red zone, but maybe not inside you know that five ten-yard line area. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something that if he if those big plays don't come in terms of touchdowns, that's going to impact his overall value. Uh, I, I do expect them him to be very involved in the past game, obviously, yeah. especially at the beginning of the year with Jameson Williams out. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how they divvy up that. That And I, I agree with you. All year, people were making that Kamara come. Kamara is 215 and You're a right. very They're different, different style player. Yeah. 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 His measurements line up more with Eckler, but even as you said, Eckler, he just looks a little bit bigger and more physical, mm-hmm. even though the height weight is about the same. Uh, so I, I think more Eckler than I do Kamara, because I think Kamara is a different type of body type altogether. And, and as you kind of made there, let me group these three for you. We'll do two more running back questions and I'll group them like this. Devin A-Chain, Kendry Miller, Zach Charbonnet, right? All those day two backs. Interesting landing spots. Obviously, the Dalvin Cook is hovering over Devin A-Chain, so let's leave that out of the mix for right now. Uh, you know, obviously, most there and, and Jeff Wilson there. Kendry Miller, we just talked about Alvin Kamara, maybe a suspension looming. Jamal Williams there. And then the Zach Charbonnet pick, you know, with the year after Kenneth Walker. Are you in on any of these running backs? Are you staying away? Like, what's your thought process on, on this trio of backs? I want nothing to do with A-Chain at what he costs. And again, this is just like... Boy, Williamson's the old curmudgeon, former scout, Bryce Young conversation. He's just too small for me. I mean, how many backs at 185, 5'9", under 190 have really been fantasy relevant over the last 20 years? And he's he has to score from distance. And I'm sure he will five times during the year. And he'll get some jet sweep action. And I understand what he brings to the table. But I just don't see a, a track record for me to invest what it costs to get A-Chain on my team. And in many rookie drafts, I have traded out of that neighborhood to somebody coming to get them, and I'm thrilled to do it. Now, this isn't necessarily Charbonnet or Miller's fault, um, but I end up taking them reluctantly at 110 in my rookie draft, you know, 111. 
And it's back to my point before where I think most years, if these guys come out and go in the situation they're in right now without a clear, clear starting role, and people forget Jamal Williams is in, in, in New Orleans too. It's not just Kamara to overtake. I think these guys most years are mid-second round rookie picks, and you have to take him at the end of the first, which I don't love, but it's really hard to trade out of the 111 when they're the best two in the, in the draft. Sometimes you just have to bite the bullet. Yeah, I think that I think it's a really good point. And, you know, the Charbonnet one is fascinating because I mm-hmm. I wasn't all in on Charbonnet. I had some question marks about his, his ability to stop and start. And I think he had a little bit of, you know, a, a, a good offensive line, a good scheme there at UCLA to really build up and generate that speed. And then we saw some of the footwork. It's pretty nifty for a bigger guy. If that's not there, I have some I have some questions about how he translates. Like I think Kenneth Walker was a far superior talent coming Ooh. out. I might be. Yeah. So like, that was my question for you. Like, do you see that? Because I know there was a lot of people, a lot in the industry, people I really respect who really love Zach Charbonnet. I wasn't that high on him. So for me, I still think Ken Walker is the guy there, even though Seattle made another investment. It sounds like you kind of agree on that. I I really do. And I didn't dislike Charbonnet. It didn't sound like you did either. He's fine. I mean, he's probably one of the best 32 backs in the world. I mean, I, I think he's more, I think he's more Alexander Madison than he is Dalvin Cook. I know they have different styles, but where I think Walker's more Dalvin Cook than he is Alexander Madison, you know? So I, I've i noticed since the Seahawks drafted Charbonnet, what I've earned, I, I've picked up more and more shares of Walker. I just think that that's the approach, not necessarily, I'm, boy, I have to stay away from Charbonnet. It's everyone's a little down on Walker. Now's my last chance to pounce whether it's best ball, I keep drafting West Walker best, you know, left and right in, in best ball. I picked them up in a draft day trade in dynasty because people are down on them. I, I think, you know, Pete Carroll tells you what he wants to do. I mean, they were the, the heaviest or one or two heaviest 12 personnel team in the league last year. Well, you draft a zone runner and a third receiver. They're going to put three receivers on the field and run zone stuff out of spread. But I think Charbonnet is just going to be the two and Walker's going to thrive in that situation. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'd be, I'd be gobbling yeah. up Kent Walker wherever I could. Last running back question. Is there one from the trio of Roshan Johnson who went early day three and then the other two day two backs, Ty J Spears in Tennessee or Tank Bigsby. If you're going to take a little bit more of a long-term approach, because obviously all of them kind of, Roshan's kind of mixed in with two other, you know, veteran or Herbert's mm-hmm. a little bit of young player. Obviously got, you know, Derrick Henry and you got Travis Eti in there. Is there one of that trio that if you were going to pick between them, who would be the one? I'm much more comfortable taking the three of them, especially Spears and Bigsby, where they're going. If I have to take one, though, it's Tank Bigsby. And I keep going back to size. I mean, uh, there's so much data out there that if you're a reasonably sized back that can catch the ball, you're highly fantasy relevant. And I know Travis Etienne's there, and Bigsby's not a proven receiver, but I think he offers enough as a receiver. You probably even watched more tape of him than I did. I thought Auburn's scheme, line, blocking did him no favors whatsoever. And everyone assumes ATN's this great receiving back. He's not. I mean, he's a very – Never has been, too. No. One of, the biggest, one of the biggest misconceptions out in the fantasy industry, I don't know how it started – yeah, he really was he once upon a time even said he felt uncomfortable catching the ball like that was right, in print, right, right. a quote from Travis Etienne, you know, and, and it was weird how he's kind of morphed into people thinking he's like an Alvin Kamara type player in terms of pass catching ability. And, and he's just not. 
not even close. Very rudimentary route runner, fights a football. I mean, just because he's smaller and super fast, everyone assumes he's a good receiver, and he really isn't. So is he an every down back? I don't think so. I, I could see Bigsby getting equal carries, goal line stuff. So I have, I have a lot of Bigsby stock. Yeah, I'm a big Bigsby fan. He was he was All in right. my top four running backs uh, in this draft class. I, you know, and he actually even went a little bit higher. I thought he was maybe going to fall to day three, so I was excited to see him get some some day two draft capital. Let's take this over to the pass catchers. Let's do one tight end question because I think we can kind of morph the top four into kind of mm-hmm. together. We know Dalton Kincaid went round one, and then we know the next trio: Sam Laporta, Michael Mayer, Luke Musgrave. You know, all went then early, early into day two, like the first 10, 12 picks into day two. So all three of them go. Are, are you into any of these rookie tight ends in terms of where they're being, where they're costing? Is there one or two that on, on film that you liked a little bit better or you love the landing spot? Some quick thoughts on, on, on that top of our tight end class. I adore the tight end class. I mean, it, it, it amazes me that my Steelers were able to get Washington as late as they did. You know I mean? Like this was as good a tight end class, not even at the top but depth day two into day three. I think when it's all said and done, there's going to be eight or nine starting tight ends from this class five years from now, you know, that are established, good Austin Hoopers are better, you know I mean? Quality players, not, not maybe not the best players in the league. I think at the cost, the one that I end up the most with is Musgrave. And I think that Kraft going there scares some people, but there's so much opportunity in that receiving core as a whole. I really am impressed with the way he opens things up downfield. He's a natural athlete that everyone probably knows. I mean, he has this background in many sports instead of skiing and things like that. I think things come natural to him. I love the way he moves. He's 6'6". I mean, we're splitting hairs because I adore this class, but the one that I definitely end up the most with is Musgrave for the cost. Interesting that you said that because I've been on an island. He's he was actually my favorite tight end pre-draft on film alone. I know it was he was small mine too. Side. I can't believe really? it. Really? Okay. Yeah, he was number one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, in, I think in three after, years. Yeah. I think in about three years, if we look back and say great tight end class, but who's the best? I think yeah. his ceiling. It, it, I think his ceiling could be higher than than the other guys who I like them all. Yeah. I, like you said, you're talking about. Right, right, right. Real real quick before we go to a, a quick wide receiver tour question. I feel like people in rookie drafts are acting like Brenton Strange is just a blocking tight end. And mm-hmm. any thoughts on Brenton Strange? Like, is, is that some? Is, is he a guy you, you got a chance to watch Penn State a decent amount? Because I feel like Penn State's on here really, all the time. I yeah, mean, so I feel Pittsburgh, like I feel yeah. like people I feel like people are really just kind of brushing him off to the side. Do you think that could be a mistake, or or do you think he's more blocker and the pass catching is not really going to be fantasy relevant? He's below. I mean, he's probably my sixth or seventh tight end. And, and a lot of it isn't his fault. I just think Ingram has come into his own and is somebody that I'm getting a lot in redraft. So I think Ingram is a buy right now that they're starting to you know expand his role. And Strange is a fine prospect. I don't have anything really bad to say about him. I just don't love his situation there. I mean, best case scenario, is he the fifth or sixth leading receiver on that team this year you know what i mean like there's yeah. not a lot of opportunity you know yeah it's, it's just interesting jacksonville made a you know pretty aggressive draft pick there in the, in the end mm-hmm. of the second round so you know some most of his value probably will be tied long term to whether or not ingram re-ups after this year you know obviously yeah. he's playing, i think on the tag this year so we'll see we'll see there let's say this to the wire i thought they overdrafted him and, and it sounds like i'm just bashing yes. strange i looked at him as a fourth rounder that they took too early and okay, I mean, I think he's a good player. I just want to draft him that early. 
Yeah, agree, agree. And I think that's that's where people struggle with, you know, did they draft him that early? Were other teams interested? And I think it's hard then to say, okay, he sits behind Ingram. They have a lot of wide receivers there now. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if he gets a shot. If we take this to the wide receivers, you mentioned, you mentioned Jackson Smith and the Jigba before, and you mentioned the wide receiver class you not being as in on as past years. Do you think yeah. it's a clear JSN number one teardrop to that next group of guys? Or, or do you think someone's close to JSN? No, I think he's number one. Uh, I I was a little shocked he lasted as long as he did on draft night. I thought he'd go in the top 15 or so. Um, I think he's a phenomenal prospect. Maybe year – I'm not taking him in redraft very often because I think he's going to be their third leading receiver as a rookie, but then quickly change that and be a a 100-catch-a-year type of dude before it's all said and done. I think that's the talent. That's the profile. Johnston's my clear number two. And most of that is because these other guys are so small. But also, if you look at the Chargers cap situation going forward, it's awful. You know, I mean, I don't know that they can retain Allen or Williams, especially after they pay Herbert. So Johnson has a real easy path after this year to be maybe the number one there or worse, the number two on one of the best quarterbacks offense. Yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. Now, let me I, – I agree with you on JSN. His value – his ADP in redraft is way too high for me. And yeah, I love JSN, yeah, the prospect. But, like, he's going, like, fifth, sixth round in redraft, yeah, yeah. like, ahead of Tyler Lockett. I, I just right. don't think that's something that I'd feel comfortable at all in, in redraft or best ball setting. You, you Paul, I don't know if you agree up. with me, but, like, I can't imagine checking the start box Sunday morning on JSN. And if he's my th- sixth-round pick, I mean, I got to start the guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. like, I, I've been surprised. Yeah, I've been surprised where he's going that high right now because if if they don't, if he doesn't catch ninety passes, he's not going to check off that value and, and, as a mm-hmm. sixth round pick. Like he's going to have to catch 85, 95 passes his rookie year. I'm not sure. I'm ready to say that that's that's coming his rookie year. I think eventually it's coming, just not his rookie year. Uh, you've talked a lot about. Size. I want to buy him in dynasty in like week ten. Yes, agree <laughs> you know agree I mean? completely. Right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you've talked a lot about size and stuff like that. Do you look at a guy like Jonathan Mingo, who he on film, he had some fans, analytic community, not so much. Do you mm-hmm. think, do you look at a guy like Mingo and do you think he's closer to, in terms of fantasy dynasty value, do you think he's closer to the other round one wide receivers, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, or do you think he's closer to that giant group of day two wide receivers you know, obviously he was really early day two Mingo, but do you think he's more close to the round one guys or, or a little bit more mixed or he, he deserves to be more mixed in with the day two guys, the Jaden Reed, the Jalen Hyatt, the Josh Downs and that group? I don't want to say right in the middle, but it kind of right in the middle. Okay. And I'm going to avoid your question slightly. <laughs> Reed, Mingo and Tillman have been the guys I've been targeting. Okay. I really think they all have... Nice pass. I think they have good skill sets. I I think that all of them should be pretty relevant. I think Reed may even lead the Packers in receptions this year. I think Mingo's has a little bit of Traylon Burks to him. People want to say he's A.J. Brown. That's way too rich for me, but I like him. But I do think they'll throw him the ball behind the line of scrimmage. You know, I mean, I think they'll get the ball in his hands. And I like Tillman's game a lot, but... That's another team that's super cash strapped with Watson's contract going forward. Like, what if Amari Cooper's not there next year? Tillman, it might be Tillman and more, you know. So 
those are the three guys that I liked a lot coming out of school. I like their landing spots, and I'm trying to grab them pretty much every chance I get. Once in a while, Mingo's pretty pricey, but that's because this class isn't great. Yeah, and and if we like, I don't want back, Rasheed Rice. Like, I, I want all those guys way over Rasheed Rice. To, to yeah, I, I, I think I think the last year I was screaming from the hilltop that Sky Moore got pushed up too high, mm-hmm. and I think I think again we're we're doing this. The fantasy community I think is doing the same thing again with Rasheed Rice. Like, because he's attached to Mahomes, people just want to think he's going to step in and be the guy. Right. And who's to say it's not Tony or Sky Moore this year? You know, or or he just spreads it around, and none of them are, are very fantasy viable as the offense still runs. You know, through you know Travis Kelsey. So yeah, I've been avoiding Rishi Rice. His, his cost got a little bit too expensive for me. If we just last question of the day, if we circle back to the other two round one guys, Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison. Is it size concerns again? Is there one you clearly like between them? Is it concerns about the passing offense in Baltimore or Addison never really stepping into the alpha role, obviously with, with Justin Jefferson there, or maybe some quick thoughts on Addison or, or Zeta to round out the show? Yeah, and again, I, I think they're perfect examples of most – like if they came out last year, they're the 110, they're the 111. They're maybe the early second-round pick in the NFL, not a first. And I like them both. I really like the way Flowers plays. Everyone in the world knew the ball was going to him at Boston College. It didn't matter. Um, I think that the Ravens will throw the football uh, enough that it, you know, that it's uh, it's not going to be a super shortage. But him and Odell and Bateman are all like worth the exact same almost, like in in best ball, and that's a hard puzzle to figure out right now. I'm an Addison believer, but I think he might be the third receiver on that team because they adore Hawkinson and traded for him with a plan. Their size worries me a little on both these guys, but less than it used to. You know, I just killed a running back and a quarterback for size. It doesn't bother me as much with receivers nowadays. I mean, Jack Tatum's not taking their head off over the middle of the field anymore. And, you know, they can get down and you can play small ball. But I, I've found, and maybe that's just because of my dynasty teams. You know, I've set, I have eight dynasty teams. Most of them are pretty darn good, and some of them are really, really bad. So I haven't had a lot of picks at like one five. So I don't think I've drafted Addison or Flowers yet. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of where they're going that one five yeah. to one eight range, give or take. There, yeah, great stuff, Matt. As always, thanks again for hopping on here. Please, I'm sure most of my audience follows you. Let them know where they can follow you. Anything you want to plug that you're working on or you have coming up here uh, in the summer months here as we start heading towards uh, the next football season. Yeah, my Twitter is at Williamson NFL. Uh, Ryan McDowell and I host Locked On Dynasty. If you're into Dynasty, that we. We have a lot of fun. We've been together now for a long time. And also on the Locked On Network is uh, Peacock and Williamson. We come by every day just talking NFL. And I do a lot of other things, but just you know, hit the, the, the Twitter spot and you'll find me. Absolutely, guys. Make sure you're following Matt and all his great content. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano, and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.